0: Welcome to the first in a series of podcasts and Zooms on lifelong learning. Our first guest in this particular space is a gentleman by the name of Mick Vought. You will come to find that Mick has got an incredibly varied and deep history in our industry as well as in education. So join me in welcoming Mick. How are you? Good to see you. Oh, thanks,
1: Ron. It's always a pleasure to see you. It's been uh, many years since we've worked together, but always a pleasure to uh, to visit with you when we get that chance.
0: Yeah, it's it's uh, time passes. and So many things get in the way. We seem to be busy, right?
1: Well, John Lennon of the Fab Four, I know you know these guys. Lennon once said, uh, life is happening when you're busy making a living. And I think that's true.
0: Yeah, and uh, there's just, another one in the same direction. Life is what happens when you're planning other things. <laughs> so yeah. true. So maybe true. You could, maybe you could give everybody a bit of an idea of your background from in the industry and education, what you've been doing for the last 45, 50 years.
1: Oh, my gosh. Yes, indeed. Uh, you know, right after college, I had an interesting experience. I went to work with a uh, a German company, a European company, and uh, I, I really had planned on just settling down, getting into a routine, and just using what I thought would carry me through my workforce. And I realized once I got there, uh, I I didn't have all the tools I needed to not only work within the job, but also living. Uh, uh, Things that, and, and I wished I would have really been more tuned in than I was, but, you know, just simple things like a budget, right? Like budgeting, uh, our income and things of, uh, of planning ahead for the future, uh, things of those. And, and I didn't really feel prepared, even though I had a degree, a business degree, as it were. And then I went uh, with this German company, and they were just phenomenal with the way the Europeans addressed education back then, Ron, and the way we addressed it was if you graduated from high school, you tend to have uh, a counselor that took you on a path to college. Well, if you didn't go to college, then what did you do? You, you, you ended up flipping burgers or changing tires. or But the Europeans, they had a system for many, many, many years. And you know, uh, you went to a trade school or you went to a, an apprentice school and you would earn a degree or a, uh, a certification. And you could make a pretty darn good living doing that. So I think we, in my generation, we missed that. But I'm, I'm seeing more and more of that uh, as the years go by.
0: That uh, German example is a perfect one. It's called Metal Shaft. And and it's a, a path we've been so focused in America for the last 50 years on. Everybody's got to get a degree. And the statistics don't bear it out um, over time now when we were talking, getting ready for this, you're talking about five, six years to get a degree and half the people drop out and don't get the degree. And like my my daughter, when she went to university, um, mother and father went, you know, she was probably embarrassed, didn't want us anywhere near, but she went and registered and they would only let her take three classes. And she comes back to her interfering father and says, okay, what do you mean three? So the two of us went up to the registration area, and I said, uh, this student wants to take five classes. You're only allowing her to take three. What, what's, the, what's the deal? He said, well, our system doesn't allow us to register more than th- three classes to a student. I said, what you're doing is you're programming a five-year degree right away. Yeah, do I said, Indeed. I I'm not going to pay for that. How do we get her to get more classes? Now, she graduated <laughs> in four years in honors didn't have a, a hardship at all she had a job full time but not everybody has that kind of a interfering parent if you will mm-hmm. to say, hey, wait a second this isn't this isn't valid and i think that's been happening in your recent experience in working with the school systems in stem learning which is really taking off now yeah it,
1: it really is Ron. and it, it's back to your point i think i have a different filter with uh, universities and colleges. I think they're an industry. And to be an industry, you, you have profit and you have to make money. And what we're finding is, and we had talked about it, is kids today can't afford colleges as they used to. And it's becoming harder and harder. And where they could graduate, my wife graduated in three years. It took me mm-hmm. a little while longer, but it used to be four year degree. Now it's taking six years. To, to accumulate those credit points. But 43% of the, the kids that go through college don't typically graduate. And as we talked about, they're $37,000, $37, $40,000 in debt when they do. And over time, that just takes so long to pay back. Now, here's the other thing, Ron, and this is interesting. I found out last week, Apple and Google are now they've made an announcement they're no longer requiring degrees to get a job. And we're going to see more and more of that where it's going to be attitude and it's going to be proficiency. Can, can you do the job?
0: Yeah. And I think
1: I think we're going to see more of that.
0: That was interesting. I wrote a, a piece the week before you did on, <clears throat> on lifelong learning relative to interviewing and mm-hmm. hiring people. And it was kind of making a backhanded smack to you fill out a resume, the prospective employer looks at your credentials, checks your references, then arranges an interview, see if you fit culturally, you're a nice person, communicate well, but none of that touches on the skills that are required for doing the job. And to go further, I'm not sure that the person who's doing the interviewing knows what the skills are to do the job either. Indeed, yeah, And Boy, oh boy, how do how, how we get past that point? Is it, it's this whole education thing. My granddaughter did her undergraduate in three years too. It's it's very workable, it's very, and, and to your point on education, when I took my degree in the 1700s, it was $500, <laughs> it was $500 a year. Uh, Yeah, those those were the days. My grandson's—he's a senior in high school, and he's starting to look at schools, and he's finding forty to fifty thousand a year. Yeah, it's it's ludicrous, Mick.
1: Yeah. Well, the enigma, and, and you touched on it, is the institutions, the the colleges, the universities, and we always heard this: you have to have a degree to be successful. That's a myth. Yeah. And I, I think we're seeing that now. And the schools—it's an industry where they they make the money, but the people that are getting the benefit and the reward is not the students. It, it's the schools. It's the professors. It's the administrators. I mean, my goodness, the cost of just books alone is exponential. It's 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 nuts. And and I think we're going to see if we're going to compete globally and that's where we're going with this whole process. After I left the, uh, the uh, corporate world and you and I did that, I got into academia with uh, STEM programs and looking at education and we got together and we said, okay, what, what is the 21st century going to look like? Because what we found out is the number of English being spoken in China is, is crazy. It's it, a lot of the Chinese are learning English and it equals to about the U S population now. Yeah. Yeah. And by tw- 2025, most, the most populous nation on earth is going to be India.
0: That's correct. So we,
1: we look at that. And in the next two years, one in every four people in the world's workforce will be Indian. That, if you can believe if you can believe that
0: yeah what a statement that is
1: yeah indeed. And in the past five years, the digital universe the digital um, uh, universe has grown by thousand percent in five years and it's it's absolutely mind-boggling.
0: I, I'm right no no longer being in a, a nine to five eight to six whatever job. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where you get trapped in things. You get trapped in routines, you get trapped in processes. Uh, Continuous improvement, as you know, is a very difficult thing to maintain and to keep excitement under. We've got a generation of baby boomers that you and I belong to that is, our life expectancy is much longer than our parents and our grandparents. So rather than you know, I, my grandfather was essentially spent physically when he was in his 50s. My father's 60s. I'm in my 70s, and I don't consider I myself spent. Many people do, but not me. Indeed. No. And, and we haven't transitioned. No. To the younger generation. So we, we're risk averse. We're mm-hmm. status quo protectors. We have our old-fashioned command and control approach to life. mm mm-hmm. And the younger generations, the Zs, the alphas, the Xs, the younger millennials, they don't want to have anything to do with that.
1: No, no, no. And here's the crazy thing, Ron. Many of the top jobs in 2020 didn't even exist in 2002. Is that crazy? And so many of the jobs students will have don't even exist yet. And they'll use technology that hasn't even been invented yet to find some solutions they haven't submerged yet.
0: Yeah. And, and that's
1: that's how crazy this thing is
0: going. And that's what takes me to that. You know, I mentioned Jack Hawkins at Troy University. Yeah. Saying that, you know, that the people coming into university are lacking in critical thinking, analytical skills, communication skills. And and as I said to you, he's he's really concerned about leadership skills. But the the chief technology officer, that function didn't exist 10 years ago. No, no. And so now we got data analytics, we got artificial intelligence, we got telematics, we got sensors in all the equipment to know what the heck the condition is. We're going to have them in our bodies. Yes. You no. Know, um, it's it, and at that rate of change, mm. schooling, education, teaching is not keeping up. That's where we're looking at, Ron. We're looking
1: at okay. Companies now are focusing more on providing information than things. We know that. The companies now, they're flatter. There's less hierarchy. There's less direct supervision. And I think now employees have more autonomy and responsibility than they've ever had. And I think we're going to find, and we're finding this to be true, it's going to be more collaborative. It's going to have to be. It's going to be less routine, less predictable, and it's going to be less stable. That's going to be the other part of it.
0: Yeah. And, you know, years ago in South America, I was rather shocked that Every five years, senior management was given a year of sabbatical. Full really? Pay, full pay. Yeah. yeah. They could go anywhere they wanted, do anything they wanted, as long as they were in school. It didn't have to have anything to do with their job. Mm. They wanted them in the school to recalibrate their thinking pattern. Yes, yes. Five years, 20 mm. years ago might have been an appropriate time. I'm not sure it's two or three years now.
1: Isn't that crazy? Oh, that's crazy.
0: Yeah. Well, Apple's, the, the, the iPhone has only been around, I don't know, 10, 12 years. And look at that. It's it's ubiquitous. It's everywhere. There's, it a, wonder, there's a wonderful YouTube called Look Up. Mm-hmm. It only takes three or four minutes. Mm-hmm. And it's a, a man walking down the street looking at his phone. And he, you know, he's, he misses everything. And in this one particular case, he stops at the corner and he's, he's lost. He's looking at kind of a mapping package. It's in Britain, and a woman comes across the street to him, and he asks her, and everything goes on, and what happens is he ends up marrying her, has children, has a life, and then they go back to that walking down the street with his phone, and the girl crosses the street, the woman crosses the street right in front of him, but he doesn't look up, and you missed that opportunity altogether. It's, oh my goodness. It's a really hard smack in the face about you when you're out in Charlotte, look yeah. around. There's people yeah, yeah. with their phone in yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. It's interesting, Ron. The 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 littles, the K through twelves that we get into stem from the fifth, sixth, seventh grade, what we do, and this is really, really interesting. It's overwhelming, but it's, it's interesting. When they come into STEM, we'll bring them and break them into four students in a group because we want that team collaboration. And we'll say, okay, guys, gals, here's your challenge. Here's going to be the event. We give them a box, a toolbox, and it's full of materials, And we tell them, you've got 60 minutes in your team to build a car out of all of the materials we give you. Now, we don't give them any instructions. We don't give them any diagrams. And we say, you've got 60 minutes to build a car using the material you have now. And what we're seeing is the kids that do the communication on the phones, right? They're texting back and forth. We say no phones, no Google. This is going to be collaboration, communication, and guess what? Thinking outside the box and problem solving. And Ron, it's it's mind-blowing to see see what the results are. It's incredible. They,
0: they figure it out, don't they?
1: They do. And that's the important thing is take away the phones, get them off Google, and now engage your little mind. Yeah. Because that's what we're after. And the light just goes off. And when they finish run, they're so excited. They're saying, look, look what we did. And then we race them. We have challenges to see, Okay, who made the best car? So it's it's so, so good to see that
0: I used to have, as you remember, a classroom that had tables, round tables. And there were four to six people at a table. Mm -hmm. And I used to do an exercise. Jay Paradis from Brandeis did this to me. And he had a, he was a lawyer and had a master's from Harvard or Yale. He was one from both of those schools, different degrees. And you take a child's, a a youngster's jigsaw puzzle that has maybe 10 pieces. So they're big pieces. Mm -hmm. And you put on each table a package and they have to put this thing together.
1: Mm-hmm. And they're not allowed
0: to talk. And there's no instruction, similar situation. So we've mm-hmm. got five or six tables. Everybody's going to do one of these exercises and we're going to time it. And we don't tell them that one of the pieces for their puzzle is missing. Ah, very good. And one of the pieces in the box that they have is from another table. Very good. So they start and they, you know, they figure out how to do this thing on the table, again, collaboratively, but no communication. And then they figure it out and they start wandering around to the different tables and they can't talk. So they just have to, you know, sign language, et cetera. And they get it all done and we time it and we put it up. Then we change it. We tell them what the object is. We tell them what the impediment is. And we're going to time you. Interesting. And the time drops by over 80%. Wow. And and the message I'm trying to get across in the room is clarity of instruction. Yes. Is yes. critical. Yes. If there's a failure of execution, more often than not, it's a failure in communication. Indeed. Indeed. It, it it blows my mind. In in America, I think the statistic is it's 95% of the companies fail to implement their strategy. Indeed. And the number one reason is lack of understanding, which is communication.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Teaching, learning, educating is all about communication. It and, is so so critical. And, and those young people are thirsty. I always say, you know, younger people learn like sponges. Older people are selective about what we want to learn. And it's becoming more that way for me, indeed. Yeah. Indeed. It's it's kind of tough. In in our industry. Um, in in your evolution from the early days after school to when you left the private industry, from a teacher's mm. point of view, mm. it was pretty predictable what we did, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah,
1: I, I think it was. And I think the classroom that we grew up in, of course, we're baby boomers. Uh, and if you look at the classroom we grew up in, Ron, and you projected to where the classroom is today. We're from another planet. Uh, we're, we're, we're so, um, I guess, consumed with trying to do too much. We are trying to put too much paste back in the tube where teachers, and it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Um, these teachers, these educators are having so much thrust at them that it's it's becoming more and more difficult for them to focus, and I'll give you an example to focus on a topic or a subject here in America. And what I found this to be true is over the last year, year and a half, uh, we were talking about how much time do you cover a particular subject? And Ron, what I found to be true was educators will cover five or six topics in a day, or maybe two days. Indians, the 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 Indian, Pakistani, the um, other countries, they take one or two subjects and they'll focus on those. Do you, does that make sense? Yeah, it really does. And so the depth... Good. The depth of knowledge and understanding, you have a, a time to let that sponge in. And we're trying to get so much done. You got to do this. Okay, stop. Now we have to focus on this. Okay, put those away. Now we're going to focus. And it's almost the teachers are saying it's 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 crazy. It
0: It, it is. My daughter's a teacher. And she teaches grade seven English. Mm. Oh, my goodness. And she has six classes a day of grade seven English, 197 kids or something. So it's 30 to 35 people a class. There we go. And now as a teacher, think about that. I get to school and I start a class at nine o'clock and and at five o'clock when I leave, I've completed six of them. They're identical. Mm -hmm. The only variation is the developmental levels of the the students in the class. Yes, skill sets. Yes, right. Now, how the devil do I keep my mind fresh teaching that same material for that length of time?
1: Indeed. Forget it. Yeah. Well, you told me this once, and it always stuck with me. The definition of insanity (laughs) is keep doing the same things over and over and expecting different results. And I think that's where they're at now the the real downside of all of this is the poor teachers aren't getting the support they need but their pay here in this region is not very good and we're seeing a lot of teachers now joining the gig economy right yes. So now we got the gig economy coming in and that's that's another factor is rather than having time to prepare, and to get ready for the school year, and and this is the other thing. Over the last two weeks in our teacher workshop, I asked him, I said, "Okay, how many of you are ready for two weeks from now when we start school?" And one or two of them looked at us and they started laughing, and they're saying, "We will never be ready." And it's uh, it it it's mind-boggling. It
0: really is. The uh, I taught education at university for six years, teaching people how to teach. Mm. And in all of the classes, and I think what you're referring to in every class I've ever been in, and, and it's kind of cute. I wrote a, a, a blog maybe a month ago called The Sage on the Stage. Oh, yeah. It's the teacher in front of the room, right? Mm. But I would always ask, OK, I'm, I'm going to give you some questions. I want definitions. What's the definition of Ignorance. And I wait, and people don't really. This is early in the class, you know, and people don't know who the heck I am or what this is, or what are we, what am I doing? What's ignorance? Mm-hmm. And so they they fumble around and they guess and so we give them one. And the definition of ignorance, of course, is not knowing what to do. Indeed. And then I say, okay, that's that's cool. What's the definition of stupidity? Now there's a couple of folks in the room by which point they are they're they're tracking. And mm-hmm. stupidity is knowing what to do, but not doing it.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And then the third piece, of course, is insanity. And that's, there's an attribution problem to that. I think it truly was Einstein. A lot of people say it was Mark Twain and, and insanity has continued to do what you always done expecting different results. So then I look at the classroom and I said, okay, fine. You're not going to be ignorant at the end of this class because I'm going to tell you what to do. So I'm going to give you a choice, each of you mm-hmm. to be stupid mm-hmm. or insane Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And looking around and listening to you talk, I don't think you're going to be living in a padded room. So how many of you are going to consider yourself stupid when you leave here, knowing what to do and not doing it? Right. Indeed. And that's the starting point where I'm, you know, and I'm a pain in the butt in the front of the room, as you'll remember. It's, you know, <laughs> well, you're an equal abuse, what is it, equal opportunity abuser. But it's, <laughs> you know, it's it's the there's a a professor at MIT who teaches a class called The Secret of Life. It's mm-hmm. mandatory for anybody to get a degree out of MIT. Um, I think his name is Eric Lauder. He he was the government employee who Uh, was in charge of the project to map the DNA chain. Guy's brilliant. But he also happens to be a heck of a teacher.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: So this class that he puts on, there's three cameras in there. Everything's recorded. It's put up on the internet. There's people can take this class all around the world for free, get no university credit, but they get the learning. They have the same tests, the same TAs are evaluating the tests, et cetera, et cetera. You go to MIT; it's at least fifty grand a year for education. This yes. is free. That and and he's one of the best teachers in the world. And I think you're going to start seeing that with a combination of virtual learning, classroom learning. Yes, where the superstar opera singer, there's a superstar teacher, and those folks are going to be worth their weight in gold. Indeed. Indeed. And say the enterprise of the university, the enterprise or the, the business of education, it's going to take a different twist.
1: It, it'll have to run. It'll have to. The industry, and it is an industry, is going to have to change. It's, and, and we're preparing students and people now to enter the workforce. And everything we're talking about is going to have a huge impact on people that we hire, the new hires. Um, Some of the things that I found to be true over the last year working in in academia world is that the population is going to become more diverse. And, for example, for minorities now, uh, by the year 2042, the minorities will become over U.S. population will become the majority. Mm -hmm. And you look at the borders, you look at the situations of all, all the migrants coming in. So you can look at 2042 and the minorities are going to become pretty much more or less the majority. The working age population by 2039, it's going to be the minorities. And we found this to be true, Ron. By 2024, maybe, maybe in a couple of years, school age population, the minorities will be pretty much the majorities. And we're seeing it now. And we're having issues with we are having students in classes here locally and in the state that can't speak English. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And the teacher, God bless them. They're trying to teach and they can't even speak the language. Now, there's something wrong there. And and we've got to fix it. So I think it, it's it's going to have to be. Something's going to have to be done.
0: One of the interesting byproducts of COVID, and there's been many, and I tend to look at them as being extremely positive because we were in a microcosm and forced into uh, a a different view on on many things. But one of the things in in COVID was that parents became much more aware of what their children were learning. Yes, very true. And they were horrified. (laughs) Mm-hmm. They didn't know what was going on. Now that children are back to school, the parents aren't letting it go like they did previously. So they're much more vociferous at school board meetings. They're much more vociferous and in, in questioning in parent teacher meetings, et cetera. Yes, indeed. And the teaching community doesn't seem to be very happy with that. Uh, they don't like oversight. They don't like somebody telling them that this is not a good deal. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. In Hawaii, where where I am, it, it's it's very distressing. We have the lowest paid teachers in the country. And like you said a little bit ago, a lot of the teachers were leaving. Yes. And the gig economy, Uber, a lot of teachers, and I know several, drove for Uber after school until dinner. Seeing the same thing. After, yeah. after, you know, it, it's, it's ludicrous. Yeah. So the, the, the state government finally said, okay, fine, we're gonna give you a bump, and all of a sudden a lot of teachers came back. That's that's cool. But we we I don't know that we understand what it is that our children should learn. And I don't know who's doing that. You mentioned when you got out of university, you had to do a budget. Well, I never had any of that stuff in school. Mm-hmm. understanding leases or contracts or uh, getting a mortgage or we don't get any of that. Why isn't that in the school learning period up to high school? If, to, if 50% of the people do not get a degree and that's a high number, it's it should be higher than that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: When they leave high school, they better have life skills. It's not just reading, writing, arithmetic. It's living skills too. Planning for a pension, planning for healthcare, planning for uh, buying a car or a mortgage, it's, it's a very different world. And we aren't helping anybody.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I think there's a lot of uh, think tanks and a lot of thought going in to, to discovering how can we jettison ourselves up to a global level level where we can compete with India and we can compete with China and we can compete with some of these other countries that are really taking it to us as far as SAT scores, as far as um, things that help us get young people into the workforce. And therein lies the rub, Ron, between who's going to carry the banner across the finish line. And again, I go back to we're seeing people morphing into private schools, homeschools. Uh, schools that that are offering different curriculum and compendiums. And those are schools that are going to, I think, they're going to take a lot of the public school systems. Either they're going to have to change, or these things,
0: uh, the private schools, the charter schools, they're going to take off, which they are. One, one beautiful example of that, Nick, is is the Khan Academy. It, millions of people, he, he started with preschool to graduating from high school. Indeed. And you know, this, this is an interesting story. He went to New York City, as a man working on Wall Street, and his nieces were having trouble at school, and his sisters were saying, Can you help? So he put stuff onto a video, and that's morphed now the tens of millions of students. My my grandkids, my daughter, a teacher in summer when they're out of school, they're taking Khan Academy classes. It's to supplement their learning, to overcome gaps, etc. But the other thing that it leads to is we need a a better public-private combination. Yes. Business has to engage more earlier with the schools to make sure that they know what's coming out and schools know what's expected. Guidance counselors in high school, I never, we didn't have them in my day, but that's that's a very beneficial and meaningful job function at a school for a child, for a Indeed. parent. Indeed, yeah. You know, why, what I I couldn't, I came out into the workforce in 1968 and it was a very tough market. I wanted to work for IBM. IBM wasn't hiring. Mm -hmm. And one of our neighbors ran a company and he offered and I I accepted. He gave me three or four days of testing in his HR department. Mm -hmm. And I'd be a really good farmer, by the way, but um, the, the these things are pretty good now much better than they used to be but in the course of this i i went and and got a job and and did work and and i skied and my mother got a phone call from the one of the, the parent of one of my students at McGill and you know didn't he take math physics yes that's how i got into this industry Yes, just a, yes. off the wall. So I you know, today. I haven't got any idea how you go, but I've just received a resume from one of our friends for her grandson to get into the workforce, and it forced me to think about. Wait a second, what do they do now? How do you? How do you? How do you? How do you <laughs> it's it's amazing. It's not funny. No, it's it's not. It's sad. It and really is. I, I, I'm not I'm not berating the fact that you were laughing about it, but holy crap. No, it's it is it's not a funny. serious issue.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: it it is. And here we have we have apprentice
1: uh coming in and they're working with us through the Charlotte Speedway and STEM and our whole program. So now we have two apprentices, and we're to the point, Ron, where we give them a task and we almost have to tell them verbatim, you need to do this. This has to be done. And then when you do that, this has to be done. And the the critical thinking and thinking outside of the box and the initiative, and you mentioned it earlier, it's just not there. That's right. And I, I look back and, and I realize mm-hmm. uh, all of these things we're talking about. And I mentioned this. When I did uh, my paper, Training is a Waste of Time and yes. Money.
0: And it's right? an excellent paper, man.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. But I believe that, and you and I have seen it, the disconnect between education and the workforce has to be closed. We've got to change that gap. Uh, and we've got to, either it's it's going to be forced to be changed, uh, where the Public schools are going to just diminish, and the private schools and the other schools are going to take that, and they're going to prepare their kids. My oldest daughter homeschooled three of her children, and we thought, oh, geez, this is going to be socially, I think it's going to be awkward, I think there's going to be some implication where they're not going to interface once they graduate. Let me tell you, those kids have exceeded our expectations, where they've, they've got all of the Critical thinking, the reading, writing, arithmetic, uh, all of those things—the basic core—they have it, and Ron, they they
0: have taken off. You you bring up a beautiful point. So that's three generations of people: grandparents, parents, and children. The grandparents' view of the child's education that their parent is choosing doesn't fit our norm, doesn't fit our model, so we're we're suspicious of it. We're skeptical of it. We, we don't interfere. We're not allowed to interfere. So that's fine. But look what happened. So my great, my grandmother um, raised me for the first roughly four years of my life because my parents both worked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, she got a master's and she taught her whole work life and started in a one room schoolhouse. But she could speak Latin, speak Greek. And I wasn't much of a fan of school. Uh, my mother was the vice principal of the school that I went to, and so she chose all my teachers. I couldn't get away with <laughs> nothing. And then I go to high school, and I, I'm free. My mother is <laughs> you know, Here we go. So here comes grade nine. I'll never forget it. I had a Latin teacher from England on an exchange. Miss Morgan was her name. She's since passed, so I'm okay with this. Yeah. I, I took geometry for the first time. And both those classes, the first semester we had three, I got 38% because I refuse to memorize. I, I either learn it or I'm not interested. Yes, yes. Well, we had an interesting thing between my three generations, my grandmother, my parents, and me. We In the city, it was called work. In the country, it was play. We had a, a country place about an hour out of town. Well, I lost my privileges to the country place, and I was dropped in with my grandmother every weekend. Oh, boy. And I ended the year with an average of 76, so she obviously did a a good job. But what what she did to me on learning was you don't have a choice about growing as a person, Mm. about increasing your understanding of things. You haven't got a choice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, you can choose not to, but that stops your development as an individual. And is that what you want? That, you know, your best year of your life is when you're 14. And from Mm -hmm. that point on, you're you're there or going down. And how are you going to be relating your life skills to your children if you happen to have children? You have a responsibility here to continue learning, which is why we call these series Lifelong learning. What I love it. Yep, I love it. Yep, I love leave it. school and they say that's it. I'm done. I don't need to learn anymore. How wrong! Particularly today, at the rate of change, it's just amazing. Yes. Yeah. Drinking from a fire hose. It's it, it's abso- absolutely amazing. I'm so pleased, Mick, that you're being involved with this and sharing your wisdom with with the audience. We're trying to create a platform where people can go. and and get questions answered. And your mention of Germany versus here and the transition from India and China and how we're competing in a world now, um, it's, everything is helter skelter. So thank you so much. This is, I, I hope the audience gets as much benefit out of this as I do.
1: Thank you for having me, Ron. It's always a pleasure. And if you're ever in Charlotte, I'll buy you dinner or lunch, it's on me. But
0: so, so great to see you. And and thank you so much. Well, thank you, uh, Mick. And thank everybody for listening to this lifelong learning session. I look forward to another one in the near future with all of you. Aloha. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We appreciate your support. Should you have any thoughts or comments, please don't hesitate to contact us at www.learningwithoutscars.com. The time is now. Mahalo.